I want you to relax today and just listen to me as I minister as the Lord gives me the utterance and the words to speak. Because I believe that it's time now um, that God is about to do a, a restructuring and a rebuilding process. Uh, God is not concerned with numbers. I can prove that. We'll not minister that today. But if you ever look at the scriptures and study people like Gideon, God stripped down his army to where nobody could say it was his strength. I won't minister that now, but it'd be like you going out with a football team and having half a team there. And God saying, okay, that's good. Now we can win the game. Because it wanted to prove that it was his, his power, not your power. Can you turn to somebody and say, it's his power, not my power? So let me pick up where I was. Let's never be confused that worship is anything other than for God. And it doesn't matter if you're singing Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, or singing what they were just singing. It's all what happens inside of you, Dr. Collier. I was listening to a song yesterday sung by Elton John. Now, how many people know Elton's not a preacher? I don't even know if he's living right. But his song touched my heart. And I moved into that, that area of, of worship for me personally. You say, well, that's not biblical. Oh, let me help you with this. All music. Thank you. All good things. It comes from God. Who do you think inspired it? So I believe that when we worship, we worship because we want to touch him. And if we touch him, then he will, he will bring in the proper people into the house. Amen? So I'm thankful for that. And I do believe that he's doing something special in our midst. I believe, though, that most of the church, and there again, I'm varying off of what I did online because that's who Alan Meshagan is. I don't follow certain things. I just don't. But I believe the church as we know it is always is constantly moving in the second dimension. We're not moving in the third dimension. I'm just going to touch on this for a moment. What do you mean by that? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let me do that again. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The problem is the church stops in the way and the truth. They forget the third dimension, which is the life. Now, I'm going to get you here in a minute. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me do it again, because you're going to catch this. I've got plenty of time. The game don't start till whatever. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The third dimension, the spirit, we're leaving it out, saith the Lord.
On the road to Emmaus, and I'll leave this and go right into the message, but you've got to hear me that our church, most churches that you see and listen to on radio and on television and even here at times, we're moving in the second dimension and we'll never do what God wants in just the second dimension. We've got to move to the third dimension. Let me prove this. On the road to Emmaus, the disciples of Christ were walking with them. They didn't know Jesus is dead. Jesus has been beaten, cruelly beaten, torn to pieces, literally. I don't want to get into all the gory details, but he was shredded. Blood was coming out of every orifice of his body. Beard jerked out of his face. God help me. So here he is. His disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has been resurrected. He comes walking along with them, and they're talking about what's happened, and he starts questioning them. Now, if it had been me, and I was Jesus, I'd have said, hey, guys, look, it's me. Here's my hands. Look, nail scars. Look, my side. Look, my feet. <clears throat> but not Jesus. He said, well, what's been going on? I'm paraphrasing. Well, they went on to describe that what had happened in the crucifixion and all those things in the death and the burial. And I want you to follow this. And I'm going to leave this and go into the message because it, it'll play into it. I said we're moving in the second dimension. They knew Jesus. They didn't recognize him until they went into the house and they started to break bread. And the Bible says at the breaking of the bread, they recognized him. Right? So watch this. They knew him in death because they watched it. They knew him in burial because they were there. But here's where they missed it. They missed his resurrection. They knew him in death. They knew him in burial, but they did not know him in resurrection. And today, that's where we are in the church. We know him in death. We know him in burial, but we've got to know him as the risen, resurrected Savior. He's real. He's alive. He's active. He's in this place today. Jesus is building his church. I'll leave that for another time and maybe get more deeper into that type message. But if you really want to go and grow, you're going to have to get from the second dimension into the third dimension. It's always moves that way from the outer court to the inner, the inner court to the outer court to the holy of holies. It's always works that way. We're most of us are still in the outer court. We've got to get into that pattern of Moses' tabernacle to where we're in the holy of holies. Now, let me say this. We say, faith has failed me. God didn't answer my prayer. You, you've missed the point. Have you answered his need before you indict him and say that God has not answered me. Oh, whoop, whoop. Can somebody say, whoa. Have you answered his need before you indict him and say God did not answer me? See, we live like we want to live all week long and think God can do move on our behalf. Did I hear an ouch? So we know him in the death, we know him in the barrel, but not the resurrection. And then when things don't go our way, we go right back into the death. We put him back into death because he's, he's not active with us. He's in the burial phase. But see, to me, he's, 
He is the great I am, not the great I was. So we need a church. Let me say this. We're creating a dream to awaken the world, but here, in, in fact, the dream, as my son made very clear today, if you heard it, it ha is a continuation, and you have to build upon that because the Lord said to me today, you have to create a challenge to awaken the next generation because that's where it is. We must reach the next generation. Let me say it again. We must reach the next generation. A time when parents don't even care if their kids go to church and then they wonder why their kids don't go to church because they never taught them to go to church. And that's not against you. I'm just telling you why. Thinking, we've got to get right thinking again. Someone said, I really wish you wouldn't preach truth. Well, who, what else can I do? That's who I am. It's got me in trouble before. I preached a message here one day, and I was on Channel 5 News. There was a man one day in that time. His name was Charles Spurgeon. He lived in the 1800s, and he was known as the Prince of Preachers. The Prince of Preachers. He instructed and trained pastors and, and, and ministers and evangelists. So one day, Charles Spurgeon was emphasizing to his class the importance of making the facial expressions you need in ministry. Doc, you may understand facial expressions because when you go in to tell your, your, one of your patients that they, they're overweight, you don't want to go in there laughing. He laughs at me, but I mean, I would never do that. But Charles Spurgeon was emphasizing to his class the importance of facial expression. Harmonize with your speech. He said, so when you speak of heaven, he said, let your, light, let your face light up. When you speak of heaven, let your face light up. Let it irradiate with a heavenly gleam. Remember, this is coming from the 1800s. He said, let your light shine with the reflected glory of Christ. He said, but, <clears throat> and this is indictment for the church, but when you speak of hell, well, then just you, your ordinary face will do. <laughs> See, I need to turn that around. Our ordinary face should always reflect the glory of God. But Charles Spurgeon was right. He got his point across to those people. I want to take you to Isaiah, the 50th chapter, verse 7. Isaiah 50, verse 7. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord God will help me. Am I too loud for y'all today? If I am, tell me and I'll get a little louder. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, shall I not be confounded. You not put me in disarray, he's saying. Therefore, I have. Now, he, this is, this is a, an utterance about the Messiah. But you need to listen to this carefully. They're speaking in reference to Jesus. Several hundred years before he was born. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face. Today's message is the game face. He said, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Why shall he not be ashamed? He sets his face like a flint. 
In the NIV version, it says it this way, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Flint is a stone. It is a rock. It's hard, and it doesn't change. So when you set your face, he's talking about the Messiah here, but he's also, in reference to God's people, we have to set our face, and it cannot be changed, Doc. It cannot be altered. Who we are is who we are, and we can't let the world change that. Just because the world says we don't like the way your face looks, we've got to continue looking the way Christ wants us to look. I will set my face like a flint. I do that oft times, and I'm sure I rub people wrong. But let me tell you, when it comes time when they're sick and they're about to die, they want a while and to pray for them. Am I right, Christian? That's just a fact. My brother over here is sitting. God touched him. God touched his wife. Am I telling the truth? We'll get into that at the, the last week. But you understand, truth sometimes, Abraham, it, it, it gnarls you up. You get a little upset. But truth will do something for you. It'll make you whole. It'll set you free. So I'm setting my face like a flint. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. This is the game face. Today, they're going to play a Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm going to tell you they're going to go out and face each other on that field. Watch when they flip the coin. They're not going to go out there laughing and yee-hawing. They're going to go out, man, looking mean. If you don't believe it, look at boxers. They go out there and they look at each other nose to nose and they're just gristling. They look mean and tough and <laughs> And it tells me something. You will never be victorious with the face of a loser. And I'm not talking about the way you look. I'm talking about your attitude. If it's not set to win, if it's not set like a flint, it's just like going through college and you want to give up. You have to set your face like a flint and make sure that you make the degree that you need. Say back to me, I'll set my face like a flint. So I want to say this to you today for those that are wondering about Alan Meshagan. I am putting on my game face just like they're putting on their game face for this great Super Bowl Sunday that I don't think God even cares about. But I'm putting on my game face to say I am here to win and not lose. I'm here to overcome. I don't care what the statistics say. I don't care what the announcers say. I'm going to win this game. So I'm putting on my game face today. Saying I'm putting on my game face. And let me hear it. I want you to hear it from me. I'm not weary. For those that think I'm weary, some think I'm sick. I'm not sick. I'm not weary. I'm not old. You say, you're old. I know. Well, chronologically, you may think I am. But in my spirit, I'm still young. I wrote a whole book on it. Young again. I'm not weary. I'm not old. I haven't lost the fire. It's not dwindled down. It's not flickering and blowing out. I still have the same fire I had back when I was a young man. The same fire. The same belief that my God is able, that if you feel like you're dying, I still believe God can raise you up from that deathbed. I don't care how bad you think you have been, God can save you from the utter, guttermost to the uttermost. Now, I don't know, but this church should be packed and overflowing because I'm going to show you what the enemy has done. He's tried to change us. 
He's even tried to change me in the last few weeks. And you know what I'm going to say to the devil right now? You ready? This will offend some of you. Hell no. It's not time to give up. It's not time to surrender. It's not time to go over anywhere but to do what God has asked us to do. I will set my face like a flint. And I might lose one game, but buddy, get ready for the next because I'm, I'm coming back to win. I'm coming back to win. So I still have the same vim and vigor and fire that I ever had. Pastor Kenny has watched me preach longer than most of you have, and Pastor, uh, Sister Pat has. I've not changed. Have I changed? Someone said, I wish you'd, uh, you know, cultivate a different message. I only have one message. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And there again, he's the way, the truth. And so my call is the third dimension is to show you that there's life and more abundantly. You don't have to live beaten life. You don't have to live where you feel all tore up and out of it. You say, Bishop, do you know what you're doing? Maybe you're getting senile. I know exactly what I'm doing and I know how I'm doing it. And I know God is on my side. <laughs> That's why Brother Perez wants to come to church. He knows I'm telling the truth. The game face I put on will take us. Now hear this. The game face that I'm putting on today will take us on into the next dimension. And our dream will take on a greater power. Are y'all catching that now? A greater meaning. Because you say, well, we got this dream and you... You haven't you done it? Oh, yeah, but you think you're going to stop there? If you stop there, you've got a stagnant pool. You've got to continue on in that until you accomplish what God has asked you to accomplish. And honestly, we are going to have to reach the lost. You say, how do you do that? YouTube or, 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 or Facebook or Instagram? No, it's you. It is YouTube. Who's YouTube? Dr. Carter, wave your hand. You're YouTube. You're the one that's going to have to stand up and make the statement. You're going to have to do it. I know one time he, 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 he invited, I was so proud, he invited a whole lot of the hundred black men that came in that day, fought a fabulous service we had. That, to me, that's, that's being an evangelist. Brother Rogowski, it's when you speak up about the good things of the Lord and what God is doing in, in our family. That's what's important, Elijah. We can't give up on that. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've gone or what you've accomplished. What matters now is where you're going to do from this day on. See, God needs you. God needs you because of things you've gone through. There's other young men and women that don't need to go the way you went. Am I right or wrong? So you can be able to stand and say, this is not the way to go. This is the way to do it. We've got to reach this next generation. We have to. I hope you all are listening to me today. Because you won't hear this on, online. Some of you will. You see, 1 Peter 2, 5, we covered that last week. says we're living stones. Are we a living stone? That's what the Bible says. We're lively stones. We're living stones. And it, how in the world can we have a testimony unless those stones stand as a test? We're living stones. We have to, we're the ones that have to talk about the goodness of the Lord and show forth the power of God. Someone said, do you, do you have all the answers? Do you know how to reach this world? I, 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 honestly, I don't. 
All I know is I have to keep preaching what I'm preaching. That's all I know. Until God gives me a further a revelation. He said, well, Bishop, if you'll meet with me behind the scenes, I'll give you some revelation. Really? I'll leave that right there. But we're lively stones, and we are lively stones that will not change. If I had faith yesterday, I got faith today. If I believed yesterday, I believed today. If God did it then, he'll do it again. I'm going to hold on to that fact. We're lively stones that will not be altered. We stand as a living testimony for the world to see. What kind of life have I had if I die today and this church doesn't become that living testimony? You say, well, if you die, the church will fall apart. I beg your pardon. You're saying that Jesus, his church, will fall apart. You are absolutely incorrect. Because he's the same Jesus that built it years ago before I was born. And he's the same Jesus that will be here after we're gone. And he will build his church. You say, well, why are you saying this? Because the good news is all the promises that he's made, they're intact. So we need to stand as a living testimony. As stated in Isaiah, my, uh, my face will be set as a flint. You'll not change it. So my face is set toward victory. Why? Because I know the Lord God Almighty will help me. That's what he said. I know because the Lord God will help. But it doesn't look that way, Crystal. But it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's what the Word said. What did the Word say? Can't tell you the people I've talked to. I've sat beside and just talked to privately how God, I feel like God touched them and I didn't even try to preach to them. One of them is your grandfather. I just sat and talked to him. Why? Because I'm a living stone. You get close enough to me, you're going to find out. Someone said, well, you know what? I don't like it that you don't go around and, and tell everybody you're a preacher. You're a pastor. You're a senior pastor. Matter of fact, you're a bishop. Why should I do that? Let me ask you, did Jesus go around and say, I'm the Messiah? I'm the one. Look at me. I'm the king, and you're nothing. He didn't do that. What did he do? He went around doing good. Does everybody agree with me or you disagree? It's just the truth. It's in the Bible. So I can only preach what the Bible says. I can't make up stuff. So he says, I, I, I know that God will help me. And so wherever you set your face, you will, you will, you'll, that's your intended goal. So where is your face set today? If you say my face is set like a flint, but where is it set? Well, it's set and I want to go to that Super Bowl party. Is that all? You better have a, a long-range goal here. If you're going to set your face like a flint, it better be a long-range goal. Because wherever you set your face will be that goal, that intended goal. You say, well, I didn't want to go there, but where was your face? I'll show you in a moment. There will be, if you don't do this, there will be no stones of testimony. None unless you put on your game face. And this is a face that demands results. I'm facing some hard and difficult things. Even in my own personal life, there's things I'm having to face, and either I accept it or I stand up against it. 
What would you rather do? Give over, give in, or go over? You want to go over. So it's a face that by faith, let me say it that way. It's a face that by faith demands results. So it's a time for these stones, us, these living stones that are listening to me today to put on their game face. You know these guys that go to these games, you need to look today and watch them. They'll have things drawn all over their face. Grown men. Some of them got degrees. Some master's degrees. Some doctors. They're out there. And some of them, and I'm going to tell you something, Doc, I found out. You know how much those tickets cost? I mean, just a mean a medium is like $15,000 for a ticket. We can't even get anybody to come to listen to the, to listen to the Word of God that's worth more than 15000 It means life or death, heaven or hell. And yet, that was just a, some of those tickets get way up there. Ain't no way I'm going to pay that kind of money to watch anything that's going to be gone. You know, I'm telling you the truth. It's just gone. So I'm going to put on my game face, and you need to put on your game face. The game face that says, I'm going to go to church today. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Let me say it that way. I'm going, Abraham, I'm going to the house of the Lord today. But my wife don't feel good. Honey, eat some chicken soup. I'm going to the house of the Lord today. I'm not going to miss it. And you need to tell people that. I'm not going to miss it. <clears throat> Why? Because it may be that Sunday where God says something revelatory that can change your life forever. Yeah. Right, Elijah? Yeah. So a game face is an attitude. This is my attitude. And you're not change it. I've had people try to change it before. I've had people try to try to tell me how things go and how God moves. And I'm looking at them like, have you ever had God move? Have you ever trained people on the movement of God? Uh, I'm really questioning that because I can only do what God has shown me in the 50 years I've stood as an ordained pastor, preacher. And that's why I said I've got to move on into my office, which is that of a bishop, because there's other pastors out there that need my assistance. I had one write me this morning and say, I'm praying for you so desperately today. And I wrote them back and say, I pray for the same for you. Because see, what they're wanting is a word. They're wanting a word. Because the church of Jesus Christ is under assault. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that. You say, well, don't, you don't need to tell them that because these people need to, they, they, all they care about is today. Well, you need to worry about more than just today. You need to worry about tomorrow and the next day and the next. Game face is an attitude. It's a matter of thinking. How do you think, Abraham? How do you feel? It's a behavior that reflects a state of mind or disposition. It reflects it. I can see it when you walk. I can tell when you walk in if you're dejected or rejected. I just don't know. 
I believe God's real, but I just don't know if he's going to answer me. I don't know if I can serve God like the way, because, you know, people have let me down. Now, uh-oh, here we go. People have let me down. I mean, if, can I ask a question, and you'll just be honest? Don't worry about this. Just if you want to shake your hand or raise your hand or raise your foot. I don't care. Has somebody in the flesh let you down? Raise your hand. Now, let me ask you this. Are you allowing them to dictate what you're going to do? You can't do that. You can't do that. Politicians let us down on a daily basis. Am I right or wrong, Doc? It's just true. They get caught up in, in, in the mechanism, and they, it's just the way it is. I'm sorry if I'm getting off track here, but it's all about the game face to me. The game face I speak of genders courage. If I see your game face, I can walk in the strength of your face. I say, well, my God, if he can do it, I can do it too, because this genders courage and the I, I can do attitude. I can do. If Randy can do it, I can do it. Doc Collier can do it, I can do it. If Pat can do it, I can do it. If Collis can do it, I can do it. Are you with me? That game face. And the devil don't want you to have it. He doesn't want you to look that way. He wants you to throw up your hands and say, I just don't know. I've served God for 20 years and nothing good's ever happened to me. Really? Are you breathing? God has saved me so many times. I don't even go through it now. He saved me, kept me alive. I should have been snuffed out when I was really young when a truck ran over my daddy's car right where I was sitting, went over the top of our car, loaded with watermelons. It crushed the car. It went right over me, and we were not even scratched. I'm talking about a 16-wheeler. Anybody knows about trucks, that's a bad mama jamma. And it went right over us and ran right through a supermarket that your father-in-law worked at. He's dead now, but if you ask him, he'll tell you. It ran right through that grocery store. We got out, and my daddy said, son, well, not son, I was young, man. My mother, Myrtle, look at this. You can see the tire tracks that went over the car. Should have mashed it. It didn't. I can go on with those stories about Alan, because I've done some stupid things in my life. Can I just tell you I've sinned before in my life? Does that, does that bother anybody? He said, Bishop, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, don't feel so bad. You have to. Come on now. Let's be real. I can't believe you've done that. Someone said, I said a bad word, and I didn't even know you as a preacher. Well, don't worry about what I heard. God heard it too. Like God really cares about you saying. Anyway, I better get off that. So God has preserved my life. So I have to say, the Lord has been good to me, and I put on that game face. In Psalms 56, verse 1 through 4, we're still talking about the game face and how it genders courage and, and the I can do attitude. 
The psalmist says it this way, Psalms 56, verse 1 in that New, New, New International Version. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. What does that mean? They're after him. They want to hurt him. All the day long they press their attack. They're after me. Watch this next verse. My slanderers. Have you ever been slandered before? My slanderers pursue me all the day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. But when I am afraid, watch this, I put on the game face. But when I am afraid, where's Jimmy at? Jimmy, come out. Put, will you go put that in the offering? I forgot to put that in. Yeah. Okay. I just have my offering in the back of my pocket. And I, just, I can't keep preaching with it in my pocket. That's why I'm not preaching good. Y'all can blame it on that. My slanderers pursue me all the day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. But when I am afraid, I'll trust in you. Even though I'm afraid, I'm still going to trust in you. I don't care what Dr. Collier says. He's not going to dissuade me. James can't dissuade me. Nobody can because God has been too good to me. Watch what he says. I'll trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid what mortal man can do to me. Listen, living stones, I'm talking to you. A God-given, faith-chiseled game face is something one walks in and portrays an image that delivers confidence for all to see. You want to know what it's about? A game face presents to the world confidence. When I was young, of course, I'm only 35 now. Matter of fact, Frank was telling me this morning, they, my daddy married you, what, 35 years ago today? Huh? Tomorrow? Uh, congratulations. 35 years. My daddy tied a good knot. And he said, it's strange. He said, we've been married as long as you've been alive. I said, yeah, that's right. But congratulations. I'm still trying to make it to 35. But when I was young and I'd get afraid, I'd be fearful about certain things. As long as I could look at my daddy, my daddy, my earthly father, I'd look in his face and if his face was strong, and he had on a game face, I was strong too. Not because I was powerful, he was. And as long as his face showed no fear, then I had no fear. Am I preaching good? I had no fear because my daddy, my daddy, he's in heaven right now. But when my daddy looked at something and he put those black eyes on people, you knew right then, son, he had it. He knew exactly where it was going. My daddy went through some hell in his life, trust me. But, buddy, when he stopped and looked at you and said, this is what's going to happen, ooh, daddy. Ooh, and no more playing then. My mother even knew that. When my daddy turned and said a certain thing, she knew it was time to say nothing. Because I look in his face. Do you know what your kids want to see? Your children, they want to see that game face. You know what your patients want to see? That game face. 
If you're a lawyer, you know what your clients want to see? That game face. Man, I don't want a lawyer that goes says to me, well, we're going to do this. It's going to cost you ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. I don't know if we're going to win or not. Well, then I don't want you. I want that guy that says, I can win this. I don't want to go see my doctor and say, I'm going to give you this shot, but I don't think it's going to work. Well, then don't give it to me. <clears throat> I've had doctors like that before, not in 40 years, because you, you've been my doctor for at least 30, I think. I mean, they'll come in and say, you know, we're going to do this, but I just don't know. Y'all still awake? Take a deep breath. I've only got another hour to go, Tiffany. Hold on to me there. Tiffany says, I came this week and you should have quit preaching sooner. But if my daddy showed no fear, and let me tell you something about fear. Everybody say fear. Fear is contagious. If one woman or one child screams, they all go, ah! It's contagious. But let me say this. So is faith. And fearlessness. If I, my daddy would say, son, I'm praying for this and it will be happening. Buddy, when he did, it was done. Done. If I could just get my daddy on the phone. If I could just talk to him. You see, the problem we have in the church today is familiarity breeds contempt. Did I just make a statement? We think that O'Allen is O'Allen. But they don't realize that O'Allen is like Dr. Carrier. He is a doctor. That's good at what he does. I just happen to be a Allen that happens to be a servant of God. So when we get so familiar, we don't think that they can help us anymore. We get in trouble. And that just make a good sense there. Familiarity breeds contempt, and you don't need to be that familiar where you don't trust the person you're looking at. I can see my father's face today. You say you're talking about your daddy. No. I'm talking about my father, which is in heaven. I can see his face today, and there's no problem. There's no obstacle that can stand in our way because I see his face. <laughs> Are you happy yet? I'm going to wipe that smile off your face, Randy. See, a game face, I'm giving you all a lot of points here. A game face looks beyond your deficiencies and sees your potential. Please get that one down. The game face I speak of looks beyond your deficiencies and sees the potential. We don't see the bad. We start trying to find the good in it. Not the weakness in it, but the power in it, the strength in it. I'm sick of people telling me how bad things are. How about you tell me how good some of the things are? I mean, you may fix me a meal and I may not like the rutabaga you fix, but there may be something else there I like. So I'm not going to talk about the rutabagas. I'm going to talk about the roast beef. Or the filet mignon. Or for you, vegan only or plant-based only, the tofu supreme. That's where I've been lately. <laughs> you know, there's power in the blood, Doc. They spun my blood down this week. and it, I, You know, I've been plant-based for about... I don't know how many months, three or four months since September. They spun my blood down. They looked at it and said, Woo, this is clean. I said, Yeah, it's clean. I ain't eating that. (laughs) 
I'm not eating that pig. See, there's power in the blood. I could preach a whole message on that thought right there. So, the game face looks beyond your deficiencies and sees your potential. So, here's some definition. What is the game face? By definition, the expression of one who is prepared for or is facing a difficult or undesirable work, especially when it's imminent. It's there upon you. Number two. A facial expression used to prevent giving away one's emotion. Get it? It's a game face. It's used to prevent giving away your emotions. One day, Joshua had to put on a game face. He's never been in this situation before. Moses was the great leader. Now, they got to trust Joshua. Who's this guy? Moses is gone. We trusted Moses, but we don't trust Joshua. Watch. In Joshua 1, verse 5, a little lengthy read, but stay with me. Joshua 1, 5 through 11, no one will be able to stand up against you. God is speaking to Joshua. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. He's telling him, now put on your game face, son. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, not just, but be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right nor the left that you may be successful wherever you go. In other words, keep your face set like a flint. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Therefore, you will be prosperous and successful. Whole other message there. Have I not commanded you? God speaking. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Set your face. Do not be discouraged. Set your face. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, after hearing that, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Where are we going to go, Joshua? Well, we're going to cross Jordan, and we're going to fight some battles, and we're going to win. What? We look like grasshoppers compared to them. Watch. Go through the camp. Tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go into the, and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. Now, watch this. This is what's important about the game phase. Joshua's going off what God said to him. Joshua 1, 16, here it is. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded, whatever you have said, commanded for us to do, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Why? Because his game face was set. The children of Israel followed the testimony, the resolve of Joshua now the company stands before Jordan. A deep body of water. And Joshua 4, verse 4 says, Then Joshua called to 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. Remember, we're talking about these stones. And take ye up every man you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Now this is important, verse 6. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask, 
their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Are you catching it now? They'll look at it and say, This is the day. Watch this. Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. They were separated. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. What are you saying? His game face was set for victory, and he said we have to leave a lasting living memorial. What is the East-West Church? A group of people that make up many stones that we have to leave a memorial. Alan Meshigan has to leave a memorial. Dr. Carr, you have to leave a memorial. Pat, you have to leave a memorial. Kenny, you have to leave a memorial. Chris, you have to leave a memorial. I can go around and call everybody's name. If you've not left a memorial, your life is in vain. You say, well, I don't like that. But it's true. You have to leave a memorial. Something that stands. Many times... Our faces will indicate what your heart is feeling. It's like I've said to so many people, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Well, that, then inform your face. Because your face is showing me that you're not happy. You say, well, a face a lie. Well, it, it needs need to correct that. Because people are seeing the lie and not the truth. Many times the face will indicate your heart's feeling. Are you happy? Are you happy? Are you strong? Are you courageous? Are you fearless? Show it. Let's see. I'm, I want to stop. I want to read this, though. In Luke 9, 51. And it came to pass. This is Jesus now. He's getting ready for crucifixion. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, up, received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. What did he do? He set his face like a flint. Disciples couldn't talk him out of it. Nobody could talk him out of it. He was going to the cross. Matter of fact, watch this, how strong it was. His face was set to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. Why? Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. They saw it in his face. Jesus knew his destiny. He knew that the cross was before him, but he set his face toward the destiny. Living stones, hear me. It's time to set your face toward the promises and leave a memorial for future generations. Let the enemy know that you're not afraid. Let him know you're not afraid. That is a message I want to give you today.